Amen. Good morning, IDC family. Amen. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God shall stand forever. It's good to be here with you this morning. It is an honor and a privilege to get to stand before you and preach God's word, but it is an even greater honor and privilege to get a chance to become a part of this church family and get to serve uh, this great church family. And in light of that today, I just wanted to encourage you from God's word. Uh, Tony said, preach what you want. And I said, I just want to bring a word of encouragement this morning. And so if I may, I tag this text and our exchange this morning with the title, Keep Pressing. Keep Pressing. Would you pray with me? Father, we give you thanks for your word. We thank you that you are the God who speaks. You've spoken to us through your word. You have spoken to us through your son. And God, I'm asking that you would speak now by the power of your spirit through this word yet again. Would you do three things in us this morning? Would you comfort us by your word? Would you confront us by your word? And would you conform us into the image of your son through this word today? And God, I'm mindful as I preach that nothing that I say up here and not even the volume in which I say it can accomplish that. And so what I'm asking for is a demonstration of your spirit and power so that our faith and our transformation rest on your work and not mine this morning. And God, as I preach this word, I ask that the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart would be acceptable in your sight, O God, my rock and my redeemer. And all God's people said, Amen and amen. Well, in uh, his book titled The Jesus Way, Eugene Peterson says that so many who understand themselves to be followers of Jesus without hesitation and apparently without thinking embrace the ways and means of our culture as they go about their daily living in Jesus' name. He says they seem to suppose that getting on in the world means getting on in the world and on the world's terms. When we get to 2 Corinthians, and I know you've been working your way through the book of 1 Corinthians, when you get to, to Corinth, we realize that we're not the first Christians to deal with that kind of thinking. Uh, Corinth was obsessed with status and with power, uh, powerful rhetoric and powerful personalities and powerful presence and powerful leaders. And they had begun to believe by the time Paul writes 2 Corinthians, that, that impressive ministry meant influential ministry. Impressive ministry meant influential ministry. And that the, the gospel couldn't go forward with the presence of suffering or in adverse circumstances or without the presence of certain leaders. And some folks were pointing to Paul's ministry and saying like, hey, that can't be apostolic ministry because that looks weak. And that looks like suffering. He's always experiencing adverse circumstances. Where is Paul's power? And as I've talked with uh, your pastors on, on our way to getting to know each other and, and praying and discerning together, we've talked about how this is a season of transition and how this is a season of immense suffering in some of, in some of your lives. There's trials throughout this body, and it's tempting in seasons like this to stop and look and consider, like, how is it that we are going to carry on in the work God's called us to together? But I stopped by this day, today to give you a word of encouragement. Stop by to give you a word of gospel encouragement today because as you read the New Testament, what you see is that gospel ministry is a glorious privilege that's carried out through immense difficulty at times. And you also learn that God doesn't need us to be impressive, to have influence through us wherever we are. 
And our ministry doesn't exist in the first place, family, because there's anything impressive about us. And our ministry will not continue because there's anything impressive about us. In fact, what I think Paul would have to say to us today from this text is that our ministry finds its source in and is sustained by the mercy of God and the audacity of resurrection hope. Our ministry finds its source in and is sustained by the mercy of God and the audacity of resurrection hope. And I want to submit uh, to you in three movements today, three movements and I'm out of your way, in three movements that the mercy of God is first the source and substance of our ministry, the source and substance of our ministry. Second, I want to consider with you that the mercy of God is the sustaining power of our ministry, sustaining power of our ministry. And third, I want to close and consider with you how the mercy of God gives us steadfast hope for our ministry. Is that all right? Let's look at the source and substance of our ministry. Paul starts this text in verse 1 saying, therefore, having this ministry by the mercy of God. Now stop. Paul, what are we talking about this ministry, right? Well, to to know that, you'd have to back all the way up to chapter 3, verses 5 and 6, where he says that that we're ministers of a new covenant, not from the letter, but of the Spirit. We We are talking about the gospel of Jesus and how the Spirit of God has awakened faith in us. We're not talking about what you need to do to get yourself right with God. We are talking about what God has done to make you right with himself through Christ. Paul's really clear here, by the way, that his ministry is not found in his strength, It's not found in his sufficiency. It's not found in his skill. It's not found in his power and eloquence of speech. Whatever ministry Paul has, he says, is in light of the mercy of God. It's in light of the mercy of God, which which if you you bring it down to us, family, I, I stand as a gospel minister today because I've been mercied by God. IDC is a church family because you together, now we together, have been mercied by God. That we have this ministry by the mercy of God, family. When was the last time? When was the last time you stopped and thought about your life as one that's been mercied by God? When was the last time you stopped and and thought about that the only reason that you're in Christ is that God has displayed his mercy to you, that he's invited you to experience his mercy, that he, by the power of his spirit, has enabled you to say Jesus is Lord so that you could know him and know his purification and know his forgiveness. When was the last time you said, I've been mercied by God today? And by the way, if you're here today, and you would say, man, I'm not a follower of Jesus. I'm just visiting today. Key, well, hey, we're glad you're here. We planned for you to be here. And in fact, I want you to hear today that nothing that you can do can earn the mercy of God. Nothing that you can do can make you right with God. If you've been running from him, he has mercy to forgive you and cleanse you. And if, you, if you're here and you've been trying to work for him and prove yourself, hey, guess what? You can't. It's only in the mercy of God that you can know his salvation and his forgiveness. Would you turn to him today? Would you turn to him today? Family, our ministry is first and foremost an experience of the miracle of the mercy of God. Before we utter a word of scripture on Sunday mornings, before anything is preached, before any song is sung, we even gather on Sundays because of the mercy of God, family. Before we engage in the work of evangelism outside of these walls, it is a participation, and we have to be overwhelmed by the mercy of God. Listen, family, you are a miracle of mercy. You yourself are a miracle of mercy. 
that God has spoken. And Paul says, in light of having that ministry, in light of knowing that mercy, we don't lose heart. We don't lose heart. We keep pressing. See, when you realize that your ministry together flows out of the rich mercy of God that is never ending and that we can never get enough of and that we'll never stop receiving all throughout eternity, you can keep going. You can keep pressing. We have this ministry because God has poured out his unfiltered and unadulterated mercy on us. And Paul lets us know in this text that he is giving it out as straight as he received it. He is giving it out as straight as he has received it. This isn't about self-promotion for him. This is about people knowing and participating in the mercy of God. And I know that because he says in verse 5 that we proclaim not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord. Your pastors, we proclaim not ourselves, Jesus as Lord. I'm standing here not proclaiming myself, but Jesus as Lord and his mercy. That's good news for all of us today. His mercy is good news. It's tempting. It's tempting at times to tamper with the word of God's mercy and, and, and kind of water it down. It's tempting in this cultural moment to tamper down the, the call to discipleship, to kind of soften the blow and hopefully maybe gather some more people in. But family, the only hope of the world is what Paul tells us, is that we make open statements of the truth, testifying about the mercy of God, family. And Paul's really clear, by the way, that the only reason that anyone doesn't hear and understand his word is because the spirit of the age has blinded their eyes. He says it's not because of the power of the mercy of God or the power of the word of God. It is because of spiritual darkness and spiritual blindness in verses 3 and 4, which means for us, by way of application, family, that the only way any of your friends and neighbors will ever come to know Jesus is because of the activity of the spirit of God, which is just an act of the mercy of God pouring out on them. So what do we do? We keep preaching Jesus to them and testifying about the mercy of God and pray, hey, Lord, would you have mercy and give them ears to hear and eyes to see and hearts to behold the beauty of Jesus' family. We have this ministry by the mercy of God. We are recipients and we are conduits of the mercy of God. Family, there's so much that we could get into in these first six verses, but I just wanted you to see what's so easy to forget sometimes is that we find our source in the mercy of God. It's easy to lose heart when we try to do mission and ministry in our own strength and out of our own gifts. And, and, and we have to stop and realize that the only reason we've ever borne any fruit in ministry at all is because of the mercy of God poured out on us, family. And more than that, can I just say something to you? More than that, I think beyond remembering that as we're standing here in light of the mercy of God, I just think sometimes as followers of Jesus, we forget to let ourselves just get happy in the mercy of God. You know what I'm saying? Like, we just forget sometimes to just let our souls get caught up and happy and say, man, I've been mercy by God. Brother, my sister, God has poured out his mercy on me. Hey, don't you know him? Don't you see? Don't you see the benefits that we have in him? There's an old song we used to sing back, back at home that said, when I think of the goodness of Jesus and all that he's done for me, my soul cries out, hallelujah, thank God for saving me. When was the last time you just stopped and thought of the goodness of Jesus and all that he's done for you, family? We have to get caught up in the mercy of God ourselves as we participate in ministry. Listen again, our ministry finds its source in and is sustained by the mercy of God and the audacity of resurrection hope. Paul moves on, and he lets us know that the mercy of God is also the sustaining power of our ministry, the sustaining power of our ministry. In the uh, 2003 
uh, blockbuster, The Italian Job. Anybody seen it? It's like one of those guilty pleasures. If it's on TV anywhere, I'm probably going to sit down and watch it. I love it. Um, but if you, if you don't know the story, it's a star-studded cast, and there's this crew of thieves who steal $35 million in gold bullion. It's an amazing heist, except one of the guys on the team turns on the rest of the team and snags all of it for himself. So Steve double-crosses the crew, and Charlie and the rest of the crew set out to get the gold back because they don't like Steve for taking all their gold. Their problem, Steve has taken this amazing treasure, and he's put it into a vault that is almost impossible to crack. Almost impossible to crack. And that's what you do with precious treasure, right? Like you stuff the thing away, you hide it away, you lock it away, you put it in something that's worthy of holding it so they can keep the thing safe because it means so much to you. Well, family, Paul lets us know as we continue in this text, that's not how God works. That's not how God has worked out this gospel ministry. In fact, he says the opposite of what Steve has done is true for us. God has put the greatest treasure in the entire universe that the entire cosmos could know in cracked, broken vessels. We have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us, and not to us. That treasure in in verse 6 points to what has filled Paul's heart, this light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ Jesus, the same treasure that is in every single person who knows Jesus in this room. And Paul says we are nothing more than clay pots. Nothing more than clay pots. That's a great compliment today. <laughs> great compliment. To say that is to say we're not of an enduring quality. It's a, an earthen vessel, uh, one writer says. That means it's just quintessentially fragile. It's just quintessentially fragile. It's, it's prone to being broken and easily chipped and easily broken. But family, listen to the mercy of God. God has so chosen that gospel ministry would go forth in the equivalent of cheap, expendable household vessels like me and you. Isn't that good news? That, that's what God has stuffed away his treasure in. The abundant mercy of God is in the pot, and it holds the pot together. There was a friend of mine in Kansas City uh, who's an artist, and one of the ways that he depicted what God was doing, what he prayed that God would do through our church is there was a pile of clay pots, and there was a stream flowing down from heaven and pouring into those clay pots, except it's pouring out every crevice and corner and flowing out to the streets of our city. And he said, that's what I'm praying is true of this church family. And can I tell you something? That's what I pray is true and continues to be true of this church family, that from the clay pots, from the broken vessels that God has gathered here, the mercy of God would pour forth and not only pour forth, but that we would fulfill, that we would feel his sustaining power in the middle of that. Paul carries this message of the gospel, this power of God unto salvation in a body that's falling apart. He describes himself. In verse 10, as we're always uh, carrying in our body the death of Jesus. And in verse 11, he, he says we're always being given over to death for Jesus' sake. But even in suffering, family, even in suffering, Paul is sustained by the divine mercy and power of God. That's why he can say in verses 8 and 9, look at it with me. We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed. Perplexed, but not driven to despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. Paul is experiencing some outside pressure. 
He's experiencing some outside pressure. He says, I'm afflicted in every way, but I'm not crushed. Now, some form of the word affliction appears uh, a dozen or so times in the letter to 2 Corinthians. This letter is about suffering for the sake of the gospel. All throughout, he, if he's afflicted in every way. He's perplexed, which means, man, I'm at my wit's end most days. I'm discouraged, and I'm weary sometimes. Does that describe any of you today? He says, I'm persecuted, but I know that God will not abandon his own even if everyone else abandons me. He says, I'm struck down. I'm struck down, which I love how David Garland talks about this. He says that that Paul is saying to us that I'm taking blows, but I need you to understand that I'm held together by the power of a divine adhesive. That's the mercy of God, family. That is the mercy of God to take on that kind of pain and that kind of pressure and that kind of suffering and still want to get up and still want to testify. That is the sustaining power of the mercy of God, family. It's a statement of strength, a statement of survival. Hip-hop turned 50 years old this year, and one of the songs in my early adulthood when I went to college was Bad Boy for Life. And and it was this declaration of self-assurance. Don't listen to it. (laughs) It was this declaration of self-assurance from the Bad Boy label and from Diddy. Like, people were saying they had fallen off, that they were weak, that that there was nothing to them anymore. And it was, hey, in the face of popular opinion that we fell off, you need to know that we ain't going nowhere. We ain't going nowhere. It was a statement of self-assurance, this, this assurance that, like, I'm holding myself up. Well, family, Paul's doing the exact opposite of that here. He's saying, yeah, yeah, I'm not going anywhere, but it's not because I'm not going anywhere. It's because God is holding me together, and God is holding me in place, and the mercy of God is sustaining me in the middle of this mess, family. He says, I may be knocked down, but I'll never be knocked out. Why? Because of the sustaining power of the mercy of the one who's called me and commissioned me and sent me to this place. He says, since I have the same spirit of faith, verse 13, according to what's been written, I believed and so I spoke. We also believe and so we also speak. Now, why does he insert that quote there? I believed and so I spoke. It's an odd and obscure quotation if you just read it in the context of this, but it's pointing us back to Psalm 116. It's pointing us all the way back to Psalm 116, one of uh, my favorite psalms. It's an expression of faith in the delivering power of God. Here's what Psalm 116 says to us. I love the Lord because he's heard my voice and my pleas for mercy, because he inclined his ear to me. Therefore, I will call on him as long as I live. The snares of death encompassed me. The pangs of Sheol laid hold on me. I suffered distress and anguish, and then I called on the name of the Lord. O Lord, I pray, deliver my soul. Well, gracious is the Lord and righteous. Our God is merciful. The Lord preserves the simple. When I was brought low, he saved me. Return, O my soul, to your rest, for the Lord has dealt bountifully with you. For you have delivered my soul from death, my eyes from tears, my feet from stumbling. I will walk before the Lord in the land of the living. I believed even when I spoke, I'm greatly afflicted. I believed even when I said I'm greatly afflicted, I believed that I would see the goodness of God. I believed that I would see the salvation of the Lord. Paul says, I've got the same spirit of faith. I've got the same spirit of faith, which is to say, even in my distress, I persevere because he is the same God yesterday and today and forever. So even when I say I'm greatly afflicted, even when I say I'm pressed, even when I say I'm persecuted, 
I believe that I'll see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Even if the snares of death encompass my entire life and all of my family, I believe even when I speak that I will see the goodness of the Lord. You might crush me, you might persecute me, you might strike me down, but long as I live and troubles rise, I'll hasten to his throne. But it wasn't, by the way, just because of some Old Testament deliverance that Paul has this kind of confidence. Do you realize that? It's not just because of some Old Testament uh, deliverance. Paul preaches and perseveres in the faith because in the treasure of the gospel itself is the testimony of one who God delivered from the snares of death. Though I have witnesses in the room with me today. See, even in the face of my suffering, even with the potential for death all around me, verse 14, Paul says, I know that. He who raised the Lord Jesus will also raise us with Jesus and bring us with you into his presence. Do you see all that? He says, knowing that. Somebody say, knowing that. He says, knowing that. He's like, I'm good because I know that I'm okay. And not only am I okay, he says, I'm going to be raised up with you, which is to say, you, church, are going to be okay. You, church, are going to be okay. He says, my destiny is bound up in his destiny, and your destiny is bound up in his destiny. The resurrection of Jesus, family, is the power of God and the promise of God that enables perseverance even in the worst of circumstances, family. Even if he doesn't rescue me, death still can't defeat me. Death still can't hold me down. I'm held together by the power of divine adhesive. Paul keeps pressing IDC and you can keep pressing because you know that the one who raised God that God raised from the dead is with you and for you family I submit to you that the promise of the resurrection will give us courage to live boldly and testify boldly to the mercy of God because what is the worst thing that could happen to you even the worst thing that could happen to you God has an answer for that even the worst thing God 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 has an answer for that Suffering and death are chipping away at Paul, and it may be chipping away at you, but he keeps pressing, knowing that the same power that raised Jesus from the dead is working for and fighting for and working on his behalf. Family, again, I submit to you that our ministry finds its source in and is sustained by the mercy of God and the audacity of resurrection hope. But family, the mercy of God doesn't just give Paul sustaining power. It enables perseverance and gives us a steadfast hope for ministry. Let's move and look at this steadfast hope for ministry as I get ready to take my seat. How many of you have ever experienced the, uh, like where you look at something that's really close up for so long that when you kind of zoom out, everything else feels kind of foggy and blurry and you, you can't really see it. It takes a while to adjust, right? That happens to all of us when we focus on something up close too long. Well, family, the same thing is true when we focus on our suffering and our circumstances too closely for too long. We begin to lose perspective and we begin to lose the bigger picture and we begin to lose focus around us. Over the last several years, I've heard Christians and pastors talking about the chaos in our culture and all this stuff like that. And they're worried, man, is the church going to weather the storm? And to all of them, I say, hey, hey, brothers, sisters, look up. Brothers, sisters, look up. We have the victory in Christ. Let's have a long view of that. Listen, family, that's what Paul's inviting us to as we close. He says, man, we've got a steadfast hope for ministry because of what's true in the larger picture. Lift your eyes, church family, from what's directly in front of you to what's ultimately true. 
Here's what he says about our audacious hope. Paul says, so we don't lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. See, his outer self is, is falling away and, and death seems to be right around the corner for Paul. And he's on the, on the verge of losing it all. His physical vitality is draining away. His mortal existence seems to be headed toward an end. But he's not worried because his current physical body might be wasting away. But God is preparing him for something else. God is doing work in him, preparing him for something else day in and day out. Paul is steadied that God's renewing work is happening right here, right now inside of him, but he's also sustained by another piece of information. He's steadied in another sniffing way. Look at verse 17 with me. He says, for this light momentary affliction, this light momentary affliction is preparing for us, preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison as we look not to the things that are seen but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient but the things that are unseen are eternal. Paul isn't making light of his own sufferings, by the way. He's not making light of his own sufferings and he's not even saying to you, church family, hey, IDC, just put a happy face on your suffering. It'll be okay. He's not saying that at all. He's saying because Jesus has been raised. Because Jesus has been raised. And because we know that we will be raised in him, there is a glory accumulating that will make even the worst suffering that you and I face in this world nothing to be compared to. Nothing to be compared to. He says in Romans chapter 8 that I consider the sufferings of this present age not worth comparing to the glories that will be revealed to us. One writer uh, says about this, he says that when we get into our eternal state of being, all of the present that's marked by tribulation and trials and all the difficulties we face, he said, it will look in that day nothing more than a tiny, tiny storm in a teacup. A tiny storm in a teacup, he says, once we get to see things from eternity's perspective, all of our trouble will look like a tiny storm in a teacup. Family, the realities of the resurrection give us a steadfast hope so that we can endure in the midst of difficulty. Family, what Paul's inviting us to see is that in light of the resurrection, God has given us a gift of mercy of a different lens through which we can face our suffering and face our trials and face our difficulties, family. Almost 12 years ago, almost 12 years ago, my wife and I uh, lost our oldest daughter after three years of immense suffering and lots of sickness. And when I get to verse 17, the catch kind of gets in my throat, right? Light momentary affliction. Light momentary affliction. Through the three years of suffering, through the no answers, through the countless hospitalizations, through the close brushes with death, through death itself, we are able to look at that through the lens of the resurrection and say, light momentary affliction. That's the mercy of God, family. Light momentary affliction. Listen, for pastors and churches, over the last three or four years, we have walked through minefields of relational damage and all kinds of difficulty. And Paul says to the pastors, to churches, even in the middle of that family, light momentary affliction. 
slight momentary affliction. There's folks in this church family, some of you probably in the room right now, who are in the middle of an intense season of trials and suffering. Your marriage is falling apart. You're struggling with that sin that just will not let you go. You're watching as your own body crumbles or as the bodies of your loved ones crumble. And even in the face of that, because of the resurrection hope of Jesus, we're able to stand up and say, light momentary affliction. Light momentary affliction. Family, I know that it feels weighty. I know that it feels so heavy right now, but with the hope of the resurrection right now, family, we can still say with faith and with confidence in the mercy of God that it is nothing more than light and momentary, family. It's tough right now. It's heavy right now, but our God is with us, and as we weigh out our difficulty with the eternal scales of glory, family, it will feel in that day light and momentary and the only reason we can say that is because of the mercy of God and the only reason we can endure that is because of the mercy of God the only reason we have steadfast hope is because of the mercy of God family do you see it do you see that the resurrection changes our perspective in light of the mercy of God family it carries us with the perspective that there is a day coming and it is a very real day when the beauty of all that we see when everything sad becomes untrue when we see that day it'll be light and momentary affliction family can I just encourage you today that our ministry finds its source in and is sustained by the mercy of God and the audacity of resurrection hope we can audaciously believe in the hope of the resurrection and we can keep pressing because of the hope of the resurrection family as I close let me remind you that our source is the mercy of God our boast in our ministry is in the mercy of God our success on mission is in the mercy of God. Our endurance in mission is because of the mercy of God. Our hope in hardship in ministry together is because of the mercy of God. We keep pressing, family, because of the mercy of God. Family, you might be here today and you might be feeling pressed and you might be feeling crushed and you might be feeling afflicted and you may feel weak and you may be in the middle of adverse circumstances and you may be in the middle of a season of suffering, family, but our God who who called us in our weakness is here with us today and I stopped by to tell you today that he specializes in accomplishing his purposes through weak vessels in the middle of adverse circumstances and through immense suffering vessels that sometimes just don't look like they are up to the task see if I had time family I tell you the story about Abram and Sarah who were in their old age and God said Abram I'm gonna bless the nations through your seed they were weak and could not possibly be a part of God's plan but God did work in them. If I had some more time, I'd tell you about old brother Moses, who was a, a stuttering murderer, who God says, I'm going to use you to stand before Pharaoh and deliver my people. And through the power of God, he brought his people out of slavery in Egypt. If I had time, I would tell you about brother Gideon, who took an army with some clay pots and some torches and defeated an army that was as numerous as locusts in their weakness and in their foolish battle plan because of the mercy and the power 
power of God. If I had time, I'd tell you about David, who marched out on a battlefield with weapons that were not up to the task to fight a seemingly undefeatable foe in Goliath. And he stood in the power of God and rested on the mercy of God. And God won a victory that day. But I, I don't have time to testify about them, so can I just boast in one more? Can I just boast in one more? Because there was a man named Jesus the God-man who came to the earth, and he wrapped himself in human flesh. And death, if you don't know, had batted a thousand against humanity up against that point. And so Jesus comes to battle one day in weapons that did not quite seem up to the task, facing adverse circumstances in a body marked by weakness, family, and on that bloody cross, and in his flesh, and with a borrowed tomb, he defeated death. Death had taunted humanity, all of humanity, for all of time, and yet Jesus shows up on Calvary's mountain and they hung him high and they stretched him wide and he died for my sin and your sin and it looked like death had won that day family but if you didn't know any better and if you weren't paying attention right before he died Jesus said some words didn't he he said it's finished it's finished. Death thought it had won the day. And as Jesus laid in that grave all night Friday and laid in that grave all day Saturday and laid in that grave all night Saturday, it seemed like death would win the day. But early Sunday morning, he got up with all power in his hands, family. The grave could not hold him down. Suffering could not hold him down. And we have an audacious resurrection hope because all of that is true, family. You might be afflicted in every way today. You might be perplexed and you may be persecuted, but I need you to stand firm in the mercy of God and look to the resurrected Jesus. Where you lack courage today, family, stand firm in the mercy of God and look to the resurrection Jesus, resurrected Jesus. Where you lack endurance today, where you lack boldness today, where you lack hope, stand firm in the mercy of God and look to the resurrected Jesus. IDC, don't you dare lose heart. You keep Pressing in light of the mercy of God. In your weakness, rest in the mercy of God. In your pain, rest in the mercy of God. When the days get tough, family, let your hope be refreshed in the mercy of God. IDC, we have this ministry by the mercy of God. We have this ministry by the mercy of God. Keep your heart full up with the mercy of God. Keep testifying to your friends and loved ones about the mercy of God and keep reminding one another of the great hope we have in light of the mercy of God. In the midst of transition, in the midst of affliction, in the midst of difficulty, our God, by his mercy, gives us the source and substance and sustaining power of our ministry family. Would you pray with me? Father, we give you thanks for your word. And we give you thanks, God, um, that you haven't left us to ourselves. And God, there's folks in this room right now who are in the middle of weighty and heavy seasons right now, and I'm asking this morning that your mercy would testify to their souls in their places of brokenness and pain right here, right now. Heal them, God, and sustain them and give them fresh encouragement today. There's folks who are in this room right now who don't know of your mercy by way of salvation, and God, would you show it to them as their best good and their only eternal good and turn their hearts in faith to the risen Lord Jesus. But God, would you encourage our hearts and encourage this church family to keep pressing in light of your mercy. We say thank you for your mercy in Jesus, and we celebrate it as we continue in worship. In his name we pray, amen.